This morning, I'd like to take a few moments and actually look at that psalm we just read from Psalm 23. And as I was preparing for this message this past week, um, I came across a Cherokee legend that I found to be quite interesting. Uh, And the legend goes that when a young Cherokee boy would be on the verge of becoming a man, they would send him out into the night alone to sit on a stump in the darkness of the woods all by himself alone in the terrors of the night with one simple task. Stay seated on the stump, no weapons, no shelter, and whatever they did, they were not allowed to cry out for help or move from that stump until the sun rose. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm 38 years old here, and I still get nervous walking down my hallway at night uh, to turn on the light switch. So even if I had a shotgun, there's not a chance in the world that I would have passed this test. Uh, And so I want you to think about this for a moment. Imagine this setting. You're sitting there alone by yourself in the dark with all of the terrifying noises of the night around you, the howling of the wind, the rustling of the leaves, the eerie hooting of the owls, and maybe even the occasional growl of an animal that you don't know how big it is. You're all there alone, without comfort, without aid, and without a weapon to defend yourself from potential attacking predators. Now, with this picture in mind, I want to ask you a question. In life, do you ever feel this way? Do you ever feel like the terrors of night that we come into in life um, have us alone, scared, terrified, fearful of what may come before us? Well, I'm sure you all have, and if you haven't, just wait a little while, you will. And so with this in mind, I want to tell you that that passage we read earlier from Psalm 23 is actually a passage of great comfort and hope for us who are facing the terrors of the night. Psalm 23 is probably one of the most popular, well-known passages in the entire Bible. It's put on people's coffee cups. uh, It's put up on people's walls around their homes. And as you can see today, it's probably one of the most commonly read passages at funerals. And the reason for this is that it's a psalm of immense and great comfort. See, this psalm was written by an older King David who was looking back upon his life with all of the peaks, all of the valleys, the ups and downs, and after considering all of that, he concludes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which what that means is, he's saying, because the Lord was his protector, because the Lord was his caregiver, it didn't matter what he faced in life. It didn't matter how dark those valleys got, because he knew that he had a hope that overcame no matter what he faced, even if that was death itself. In Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2, it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. The book of Psalms describes uh, the Lord as many things. It describes him as a conquering and mighty king. It describes him as a deliverer. It describes him as a rock, a shield. And strangely enough, in this passage, the imagery goes completely the other direction. It describes him as a gentle shepherd. And what David is telling us is that the all-powerful God of the universe, he sheathed his sword to pick up the shepherd's staff in order to care for those he loves. And David was one of them, which is remarkable because if you know anything about King David, King David was no saint. In fact, he was a terrible sinner. He was an adulterous murderer who killed one of his close best friends to take her wife. Uh, It was a terrible sin. And yet, remarkably, here David can still say, the Lord is my shepherd. 
When it comes to shepherds, the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep is defined as close and intimate. See, in the eastern time, in eastern areas of the world, when these shepherds would take care of their sheep, they would guard their sheep, they would lead their sheep, they would feed them, they would bring them to water, they would rescue them when they strayed, they would help them even when they were delivering their lambs. They raised them for wool and milk, not to be slaughtered like other animals, like cows or chickens. So there was an intimate and close relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. In fact, did you know that shepherds knew the sheep by name even? Uh, It's said that when several shepherds would meet together in a pasture to feed their sheep uh, or to have them drink at a watering hole, that when it was time to leave, they didn't have to worry about mixing up the sheep. They didn't have to go around and brand them to know whose sheep was who. All they had to do when it was time to leave was to call out, and the sheep would follow their shepherd because of that intimate relationship. They knew the shepherd's voice. And this is why the Bible so often compares the people of God as sheep and our Lord as a shepherd. In fact, John 10.27 says this, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. What does David mean when he says he shall not want? Does that mean he shall not have any lacking desire in his life? Does that mean that he'll get the dream house, the dream car, the dream job? No, that's not what that means. And thankfully not, actually, because if you think about it, I don't know about you, but looking back at my life, I've prayed to the Lord and asked for things that I am so deeply thankful that he did not say yes to that. They were really dumb things, actually, in hindsight. Um, And the thing about that is, as sheep, we need to realize that sheep are dumb animals. They're really dumb animals. They're not smart, okay? In fact, they're so dumb that without a shepherd, the sheep will die. Did you know that if you leave a flock of sheep in a pasture without the shepherd... They'll eat all the grass down to the roots, and there'll be just dirt there left. But even if there's a pasture nearby within vision, they won't walk over to that. They'll actually stay in that pasture and eat each other's excrement until they die. These are, like I said, these are pretty dumb animals. And so thankfully, the good shepherd doesn't give us dumb sheep what we think we need. He gives us what we truly need, and that's because he's a good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives us what our souls truly need, and what our souls truly need is spiritual nourishment, true rest, and true peace with God. If you notice in verse 2, do you see what the good shepherd does for us? It says that he makes us lie down and rest. Well, why does he do that? Why is that necessary? Well, because sometimes sheep won't lie down and rest. They need to be forced to lie down and rest, and what a picture that is for us. I don't know about you, but a lot of times we're like little kids who are running around, all tired, up way past our bedtime, acting like we skipped nap time, yawning and rubbing our eyes, but we keep saying, I'm okay. I'm not tired. I'm all right. I've got this life pretty much under control. But the truth is, deep down, we are spiritually exhausted, and we need a good shepherd who will force us to lie down, a good shepherd who will lead us to be nourished by the green pastures and the still waters so that our soul might be restored. Sometimes in life we can get so busy frantically running about doing all the little things that we just think are so important, chasing after all the accomplishments, the milestones in life, which are good things, but we make those ultimate things and we chase after them uh, constantly out of breath. And yet before we know it, there we are rubbing our little spiritual eyes, yawning uncontrollably, refusing to recognize that we are spiritually running on empty, lying to ourselves, telling ourselves, no, I'm fine. I'm keeping up with everybody else. 
See, that's the thing. We look at everybody else and we think, hey, look, they're, they're not tired. So I, this tiredness, I, this, you know, I just, you know, rub some dirt in it, walk it off. No big deal. Everybody else seems fine. But deep down, we know we aren't. And so that's why the good shepherd comes along and he forces us to lie down. He forces us to take a breather. Maybe this is through that job layoff that we didn't see coming. A sickness that keeps us from chasing after the things of this world so frantically and desperately. Or sometimes even the death of a loved one. The point is, there's a million different ways that the good shepherd forces his sheep to lie down and to rest. But we know that whatever those things are, even if they seem bad to us in the moment, we know, as David says in Psalm 23, that the shepherd is doing it for our good. And it's because he is our good shepherd who cares for us. In the last part of verse 3, it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness. And for the record, this isn't talking about obeying the Ten Commandments. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about living a righteous and godly life. What he's saying is the good shepherd leads his sheep down the right paths and keeps them off the wrong paths, which sometimes requires actively keeping us off the wrong and dangerous paths. Did you know that sometimes if a sheep will keep wandering away from the shepherd, the shepherd brings it back, but it just keeps doing it over and over and over, almost falling into ravines, almost getting into trouble, almost getting itself killed, the shepherd will eventually then break the sheep's legs to prevent it from wandering off again into danger. Well, that's one way to make a sheep lie down. Um, but the question is, why would he do this? It seems unloving. That seems harsh. It seems cruel. But it's not. He does this because he's loving and caring and cares about his sheep. He does this to keep us out of the ultimate and only danger that could ever truly destroy us. He does this to keep us on the right path. Did you know that suffering always results in one of two things? Every time. These are the only two paths that, will, that you will go down when suffering comes. For those who aren't followers of Christ, for those who aren't the children of God, they are not the sheep of God, what suffering is going to do, it's going to further harden them and turn them away from God. It's going to make them bitter, angry, make them cry out, God, where were you? You must not care. It will make them more bitter with God, more resentful towards him. But for those who are God's children, yeah, they might have low moments, but ultimately what suffering will do for them is it's going to make them draw closer to the good shepherd who they know ultimately cares for them. And so it draws us closer to the shepherd in a way unlike any other. When a shepherd was forced to break the sheep's legs, he wouldn't just leave them lying there alone to heal up. No, he wouldn't do that. In fact, what he would do is he would carry them around on his shoulders until the little sheep's legs were fully healed. And the remarkable thing about this is it would then create a deep and unbreakable bond between the good shepherd and the sheep that would last for the rest of that sheep's life. In fact, if you look in those situations with those sheep who had to have their legs broken and healed up, those were the sheep who always stayed closest to the shepherd. Some of the other sheep would still wander around in the flock further away, but those sheep, they were always close. Wherever their shepherd went, they stood closely next to him. For those of us who know the good shepherd, we can take hope knowing that he will always lead us down the right paths, even if those paths seem dark, even if those paths seem difficult. And it's because he hasn't promised to lead us down the paths that are free from pain or hardship. No, in fact, he's using these things, as Romans 8.28 says, for our good. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good for those who love God. And yes, hard paths are actually for our good. 
We can't fully understand it when we're in it, but I don't know about you, but there's many times I look back at points in my life and I see how those hard paths were sandpaper on my soul to shave off the rough edges to make me more like the image of Jesus Christ. It was for my good. And so the truth is the good shepherd always leads us down the best path for us. A lot of people look at verse 4, and they think verse 4 is just talking about physical death. And it absolutely, for surely includes that, but it's actually talking about so much more than that. It's saying, even though I walk through the valley of the darkest shadows, which includes painness, sickness, suffering, and yes, even our eventual death, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil, for my shepherd is there protecting and comforting me. When the Cherokee boys made it through the night and they saw the sun finally rising over the horizon, they were incredibly relieved to have made it safely and passed the test. But it's interesting because you know what they discovered upon the sun rising? They discovered that they were never alone. They discovered that they were never truly in danger because when the darkness had passed, they looked up onto the horizon with the sun rising, and on the top of the hill they saw their father standing there with his bow in hand ready to protect them. If danger had come, he would have surely stepped in and saved them from the ultimate fate. And that's what our good shepherd does for us. The good shepherd never promises to keep us from the night, but he does promise to protect us through the night and to protect us from the only predator that could truly destroy us, which is death itself, which isn't just physical death, but it's the spiritual death, which is the judgment of God for all of eternity. And so he protects us from this. This is why the Apostle Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57, he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though the night is dark, even though the winds of this life blow strongly around us, And we hear predators stalking nearby. For those of us who know the good shepherd, for those of us who are his sheep, we fear no evil, for we know our good shepherd is with us. He's armed with a rod and a staff to protect and comfort us. And so even though we face the terrors of night, even though death's shadow still passes over us, we have no fear, for we know that none of that can truly harm us. Not really. No matter what we face in this life, we know that in the end, we will pass through safely through the valley of the shadow of death because that's all death is now is but a shadow for the sheep of God. And we know that the dawn will one day come and we will look up to see our good shepherd smiling, ready to welcome us home. Verse five, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In these verses, David is talking about how the Lord takes care of his sheep. Not just someday in heaven, but right now, here in this life, in the middle of the night. In the middle of our troubles, he tells us that we have peace, a peace that passes all understanding. What David is saying, that even when we are in the darkest of nights, God's blessing is upon us. For the table has been prepared. Our head has been anointed with oil and our cup is overflowing. The point is we serve a very generous God who is also very gracious and merciful towards us. A God who turns our troubles into triumphs 
For we know that our God is for us, and because he's for us, then who could ever be against us? The psalmist knows that the good shepherd is guarding and protecting him in the midst of the darkness, and he knows that the eternal state of his soul is absolutely secure, and nothing will separate him from the shepherd. No matter how dark the night gets, he believes and knows that the morning dawn is coming. In uh, Romans 8.35, here's what Paul says. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear the message of the psalmist that's echoed in Romans 8 here with Paul? They're telling us nothing can separate the sheep from the good shepherd, not even death itself. Nothing. That covers anything that might come in the night. It will not separate us from the love of God. For at the end of the dark path awaits the arms of our Savior who stands ready to shower us with his love's and his blessings for all of eternity. This is why the psalmist could write, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I know I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, where there will be no more darkness, there will be no more night. So how about you? Do you know the good shepherd? Are you one of his sheep? For the psalmist, his shepherd was Jesus Christ, which is why he had comfort and not fear, even when walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know why this is such an incredibly great source of comfort for us? Because Christ doesn't lead us into uncharted territories. For Christ alone is the one who has traveled through the valley of the shadow of death and came out victoriously into life on the other side. For Christ alone is the one who has gone down that path, and he did so that he might walk us safely through that path as our good shepherd who is able to protect us. See, on the cross, Christ faced the ultimate darkest of nights. On the cross, he faced the eternal wrath of God, which was angry towards sinners, which was going to destroy sinners for their sin, and rightfully so. And Christ faced this terror. He faced this night alone, without his Father there watching over him and protecting him. And because of this, the night consumed him, and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the reason why he was forsaken was so that you and I wouldn't be. So that you and I could pass through death's shadow to the morning dawn of eternal life. The reason we have confidence in this claim as followers of Christ is because we have proof of this. And the proof of this is the empty tomb. He is not dead, for he is alive, as the angel said. Who are you looking for? He is risen. Acts 2.24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I praise God I get to tell you Jeanette knew the good shepherd. Not because Jeanette lived a perfect life. Anybody who knew Jeanette knew that Jeanette was not perfect like the rest of us. We're not perfect either. None of us are. And it's interesting because the day that Jeanette was down at the hospital in St. Cloud and found out, how serious the diagnosis was, I was able to be with her, and she looked at me, and I'll never forget this. She said, you know, Pastor, if it's my time, it's my time. 
Now, why did she say that? Did she say that because she had some bleak, pessimistic attitude? No, quite the opposite, actually. She had the most optimistic of attitudes because she knew that if she was going to fully and finally pass through death's shadow through this diagnosis she had, she knew the good shepherd who was on the other side who was going to bring her safely through. In John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you know the good shepherd? We all have a shepherd. Make no mistake about it. We all have a shepherd, somebody or something that we are looking to to bring us safely through the night. Somebody that, or something that we are looking to to bring us comfort, to bring us joy, whether that be our family, our friends, money, career, relationships, whatever. We're all looking to some kind of shepherd to protect us, to give us the happiness that we long for. The truth is none of us can shepherd ourselves. We're too dumb for that. We're sheep. It's not possible. And so the question is not, do I have a shepherd, but who or what is your shepherd? And so if your shepherd isn't the good shepherd, then hear me when I tell you today, know that whatever or whoever that shepherd is, they will not protect you through the terrors of night. For they themselves and you will be consumed by it. For one day as you pass through it, on the other side, you will not find the arms of the Savior, but the eternal wrath of God, which is set toward sinners. There is only one shepherd capable of bringing us through the night, and that shepherd is Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come before the Father except by me. Do you know the good shepherd? If not, then it's actually quite a very simple thing. You don't have to follow the Ten Commandments 90% of the time. You don't have to be a very strong, good, moral person who's ahead of everybody else in terms of living righteously. All you have to do is turn and trust. That's it. There's no easy way around this that turning means repenting of your sins. It means turning from the shepherds of this world, the idols that you were looking to, to protect you and to bring you happiness. Because that's what, the, that's what it is. It's idolatry. It means repenting and turning from the lesser shepherds you look to in your life to bring you comfort and happiness, and instead turning to the Savior and trusting in him by God's grace through faith in Christ as we bow the knee before him as our Lord and Savior. Those two go hand in hand. See, if you go to the good shepherd, you're going to him not just as shepherd, but as Lord. John 3.16, we all know this verse, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you have eternal life? Jeanette does. She's living in it right now. And praise God for that. Can you say as the psalmist did, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you have that comfort? None of us gets through this life unscathed. None of us. We all must walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So the only question is, will we do so with the only one who can safely bring us through to the other side? Father, I thank you for Psalm 23 and the immense hope that it is for times like this when we are facing the shadow of death with the passing of our dear sister in Christ, Jeanette. And so, Father, I just pray, not for Jeanette, she doesn't need our prayers anymore. I pray for those of us who are still here, walking through this valley. So, Father, I pray for the one who doesn't know the Good Shepherd. I just pray that, Lord, that you would help them to come to know him, to know Christ, 
the only good shepherd who can bring us safely through. Our life is but a vapor. It appears for just a brief moment and then quickly vanishes. So, Father, we ask that you would teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to see our life as the vapor that it is, which is just a moment in light of all of eternity, which is coming so very soon. Father, comfort the family, comfort the friends, comfort our church as we miss our dear sister. Use Jeanette's passing to draw us closer to you, to make us lie down if we are wandering, to help us live victorious lives as we walk closely alongside you and do not wander. Help us to remember that you are with us, that we do not face the night alone, but in Christ we know that you give us abundantly all that we need to face the trials of this world and to face it saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I pray again, Lord, for those here who don't know the good shepherd, who are facing the darkness of night alone. Help them to see that without you they have no hope of passing through this valley of coming out on the other side into the morning dawn of all of eternity, being with you. Bring them to trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.